When people worship false gods and when they enwrap themselves in the depravity of this world, when there are wrong types of influences, when their drugs are taken to alter the state of their minds, the grace and protection of God is forcefully removed because of that. Let's open our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter number 8. We're going to talk about deviled ham. What is deviled ham? So Matthew chapter number 8 and verse 28. And we'll, I'll read it for you from verse 28 to 34. And you can follow along. 28 to 34. And here's what it says. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, There met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them, and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine." And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the, uh, to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coasts. Now, you may have uh, heard of deviled eggs. It's, uh, it's these eggs that they uh, hard boil, and then they take out the yolk. And then after they take out the yolk, uh, they mash the yolk. They put some hot sauce, and uh, sometimes they put a little bit of spices with it and maybe some aromatics. And then they try and stuff it back into the egg whites after that's been hard-boiled. And those are deviled eggs. Well, what is deviled ham? Deviled ham is very similar. You chop it up, you grind it up, you grind up the ham, the smoked pork, and then uh, you mix it up with uh, hot sauce and spices, and then you have a nice spread for yourself. And they usually market this stuff too since the 1800s, and here's a picture of the packaging of deviled ham that you can actually buy, okay? And uh, it looks delicious, honestly, on the right. Um, But the devil part of the deviled ham, I I had to look it up. The deviled part of the deviled ham is the spice, because for some reason, the devil and hot sauce have something in common. I have no idea what it is. Uh, Some people say it could be the heat, of the spice. That could be why they say it's deviled. But tonight we're going to look at the story of how Jesus cast out demons out of two men. But before we begin, let's open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for today, for everyone that is here, for bringing them here safely, and for allowing us to have a service indoors. And we want to understand this story, Lord, and how you cast out these demons and just the principles that are around this story, and also how we can bear fruit for you 
as your servants. Help us, Lord, to just gain this knowledge, but also to increase our faith so that we can be better servants for you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in the Bible, demonic possessions mainly take place in human beings. Uh, But in our story, we literally have a case of a deviled ham. And the pun is very much intended, in case you didn't know. Uh, The demons went into the pigs, right? So the area of Galilee, or uh, in this Sea of Galilee, uh, the place where Jesus was ministering in Israel, there was a part that was given over to the Gentiles. It was a community. And this community was called Decapolis. The, the word Decapolis is made up of two Greek words, deca, meaning ten, and polis, meaning cities, so ten cities. And within this ten cities, there were two cities that were known as Gadara and uh, Gerasa. But the story begins with a very sad issue that was taking place near those cities. These Gentiles had a culture about them where it was given over to idolatry. It was given over to idolatry. And idolatry has always seemed to have accompanied the wrong type of worship. And always it's directed towards false gods. It was similar to the types of worship that the Israelites would have taken part of in the Old Testament where they would be sacrificing their children to these idols or cutting themselves Or sometimes they would be taking part in witchcraft or divinations in the Old Testament. In the worship of their idols, they were removing the hand of protection that God had on them. And it allowed the devils to enter and influence them. Now these two guys, in verse 28 specifically, these two guys and the demons had possessed them. There were two guys and these two these. It's not only two demons, actually, but there were demons that had possessed their bodies and had taken over. And they had full influence of these people, these two guys. And the folks inside these cities, they were afraid of them as well, because in verse 28, it even says that they uh, they were fierce, exceeding fierce. But when Jesus came, everything changed. Jesus was able to cast out the demons. And he put the bunch of the demons in the swine that were in the area. These swine, they lost control of their bodies. And the demon possession caused the pigs to run off of the hillside. And the pigs turned into ground pork. Pun intended. But the two possessed men did not receive any help from their own countrymen. It took Jesus Christ to cast out the devils. After the demons came out of them, they tried to tell their countrymen what had happened in that city. And the city still tried to cast out Jesus. But let's look closely at the story. The two men in our story found themselves in tombs. They were surrounded by the dead. They partook in practices that were probably illicit or vile in the sight of God. Their minds were controlled by Satan. Who knew what sort of evil they would, have, uh, they would have taken part of, or what kind of vile things that the demons made them do in these tombs. But
but all we're told is that they came out of these tombs. Now, I'm reminded of the story of, uh, in the biography of John Bunyan. John Bunyan himself, he wrote about, uh, about what he used to be like in his past. Now, if you don't know who John Bunyan is, John Bunyan is the author of the uh, famous Christian book, The Pilgrim's Progress. But John Bunyan, in his young, uh, as a youngster, he was considered a cruel youngster. Uh, he, what he would say was he enjoyed to curse and to swear. Uh, and the people that were considered wicked inside of his own city were astonished by the amount of vocabulary this kid knew. He once was traveling down a town and he, uh, he saw a poisonous snake. And what he decided to do was he uh, stunned the snake with a stick and then he tried to yank out the snake's tongue with his hands. Another story was said that he, whenever he saw cats or other kinds of animals, uh, and if he can get to their head, he would try and strike the head. That's how cruel of a man John Bunyan was. But at some point, you know John Bunyan got saved, and God changed him completely, and the change was so dramatic. He was not the man he once was. Now, we're surrounded by people today, as Christians, we're surrounded by people today who are completely lost in their sins as well. Most are not demon-possessed, but even the environment they live in is not helping them. Sin accompanies with it an addiction to sin. And what happens is the sin makes itself self-sustaining. The more you sin, the more you want to sin. That's how sin works. There are people today that struggle with obedience towards authorities because of the types of friends and maybe the upbringings they, uh, they've had. They may have been taught good manners, but these good things that their parents have taught are completely lost once they've set foot in their schools or set foot in their friends' homes or just into the world itself. They were back into this brainwashing that the world is trying to do and they're taught that it's okay to sin or sin is just relative or sin is just a disease or sometimes they'll be said that if people can't accept you for who you are, then you're just, they're just ignorant. Sometimes these are the things they're taught. And this city that the, these two demon-possessed men were part of was a pagan city. The people there encouraged sinful behavior. The behavior that was in there was all kinds of unimaginable things that were being practiced that even Jewish, Jewish society would never practice. These two became the product of the society they lived in. But it's not just society, because after all, society is made up of sinful people. Because there are sinful people, that's what makes up society. The Bible makes sure that you understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is not a single man on earth that has not sinned. And wickedness comes out of what is in the heart of man. So, let's take a look in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Chapter 12, verse 34. 
O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And then go over to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, verse 18 to 20. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. It seems that the sinfulness of man and the constant exposure to sin had led, perhaps, these two men to invite the devils into their lives. No one else can really be blamed but themselves. And the truth is, there is no person on this earth that can say that they didn't have a chance to consider God. God always makes sure that you at least know that He exists. Every man is born with something called a conscience. Even a, a person that is born blind will at least understand that someone had to have created the world that they are touching and hearing. It's not every person, it's not up to every person to decide what they will do. It's up to every person to decide what they will do with the knowledge that they'll get from their conscience. No one tried to fix these two men. See, the pigs had a greater life than these two guys. If you notice, the pigs were in nice little pastures, it seems, going back to Matthew 8. These two guys lived a more dirty life than the pigs did. And isn't it sad when animals have greater value in a society than people do? And that is the harsh truth of the world as well. After they've taken advantage of people, after they ruined a life or two, after they've been exploited, they become worthless. But that's not the case with Jesus Christ. Christ gives value to people. Christ saw the value of these people. And in this story, what's amazing is that Christ came all the way from the other side of the sea just for these two guys. But though there is the wickedness of these devils, the devils knew who Jesus was. Even when men would try and dismiss who Jesus Christ really is, the devils knew who Jesus was. The devils make reference that they'll get judged one day. It says, Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? The devils knew who Christ was, and they knew what kind of power was coming. They knew who they were standing before. They knew that Jesus had the power to change the people that they were possessing. And remember that this part of the city was a Roman or Gentile society that Jesus was visiting. Roman and Gentile society, Roman and Greek society is known for their atheism. They're known for their philosophy. They're known for trying to believe in things of men rather than things that are supernatural. So these people didn't believe in a Messiah. There are a lot of cultures that will accept demon possession, but they will not accept a holy God. And that's a very interesting thing. 
Even in James 2.19 says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Even the disciples had a hard time to believe who Jesus was. Just before this, what happened was they were crossing the Sea of Galilee, but the disciples were wondering what sort of man is he that he can calm the storm. He calmed the storm just by speaking to it. The possessed people were going to change into normal people, not because of what society finally did for them, but it was found in Christ. Christ was the answer. We who are Christians, we've gotten to experience who Christ is. We get to see the goodness of God. When we repented and trusted in Christ for our eternal salvation, we did not remain the same. The promise of the scriptures, if you will, is found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Corinthians 5.17. And perhaps you've already hear, heard this one before. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Something else that goes alongside it is Psalm 34, verse 8. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. No one in society would have had a cure to what these two men were going through. Only Jesus did. Now, many religions will claim that this can happen and that can happen, or you can have freedom if, or in, if you do it this way and you do it that way, you could probably have, have salvation. But you will soon notice that the whole concept of salvation outside of Christianity relies on your own strength. What do you do when you realize that you cannot do it on your own? No man can. Many have sought to try and bring, out, bring about their own salvation. But many have tried to figure out the next solution to the problem in society or a problem with an ideology. But the bottom line remains, man cannot save themselves. Man cannot bring about a utopian society. Man cannot find a cure to the issues of health or finance or prosperity or fortune or any other, any other issue, because only Christ has the actual answer. And this is what had taken place in Gerasa here. This is what these two demon-possessed men experienced. Sure, they had demons in them, but those demons were about to see what Christ can really do. A miracle was about to take place. They were about to see the way, the truth, and the life through Jesus Christ. And sure enough, Jesus fixed the problem. The demons worked out a compromise with Christ, and he allowed them to inhabit the swine that were, in these, that were by these tombs. So here is where we have our deviled ham. The swine ran off the cliff, and these men were made free. So the spiritual world perhaps I should emphasize, is a very real thing. And it's actually running parallel to what we 
see. This is what we see. What we see is called the natural world. But the spiritual world is actually running parallel to the natural world. Everything you see is not the only things that exist. And I'll give you an example. Think about your mind. Where does your mind exist? Your mind exists in an immaterial world. The spirit world is a very real world. And this is where the demons live. This is where they exist. This is where all the angels live also. But this is where the battle of the angels and the demons is actually taking place. And when people worship false gods and when they enwrap themselves in the depravity of this world, when there are wrong types of influences, when their drugs are taken to alter the state of their minds, the grace and protection of God is forcefully removed because of that. This is where the entrance of demons actually can take place. Now, don't think that just because you live in Canada or a first, uh, first world country that you're exempt from such influences. And also, don't think that because you are a Christian that you are exempt from the influences of Satan. Now, let me be very exact. Christians cannot be possessed by devils but they can be influenced by devils. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, here's what it says, But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now, just to be clear, Peter was not demon-possessed. But Christ recognized that Satan's influence in Peter's heart. Peter didn't understand what he was actually saying, because Satan was influencing Peter. Christ is explaining, just before this passage, Christ is explaining that he will have to go to the cross and he will have to die, but then there will be a resurrection. And that was the plan of God for Jesus Christ. But Peter, he opened his mouth without ever thinking and he rebuked Christ, saying that it will not take place. So, these days, we have so-called experts of history, especially, that will say that Jesus never existed, that there is no evidence for the things of the Bible, that Satan, uh, that these things and these things are not real, that it's just a story made up. And that is honestly Satan's plan. Satan's plan is to lie and to deceive people and bring them far away from understanding the gospel as much as possible. Satan is still trying to influence people even today. And I've spoken to many people who have, and I've tried to witness to them and tell them about Jesus, tell them about the gospel. And no matter what type of argument or what type of answer I try to give them, they will simply not believe. They simply remain unconvinced. And let's take a look at why that is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. 
It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We can almost say that the devil owns the minds of the people that believe in Satan's lies. The influences that promote witchcraft only bring forth the blinding of their minds. The use of drugs only cloud the judgment of people. The thoughtless acts of depravity that people do, especially when they are not in their right mind, not in a sober mind, those are all because the lies of the devil were heeded because they listened to what the devil had said. Sure, Christians cannot be possessed because the promise of God is there. In 1 John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. A Christian can be influenced by Satan, just like Peter was, but they can't be possessed. A born-again Christian does not belong to the devil. He belongs to God. But a born-again Christian who doesn't give their life to God, who doesn't live the Christian life, or the way the Bible is telling them to live, or is absolutely at a huge risk of being influenced by Satan. This is one of the big reasons that backslidden Christians don't really like to be around faithful Christians. Satan is there putting lies in their minds that they can't be forgiven. Or they'll be ostracized by other Christians. Or it will be incredibly awkward. Why would you want to put yourself through that? And those are just some of the lies that Satan puts in people's minds. But I want to conclude this. When a person is influenced by the devil, the very unfortunate thing that takes place is that there is no fruit for God, ultimately. There is no character that is produced in the Christian, and they are more likely to sin and dig themselves more into sin. Remember, the nature nature of sin is the more you sin, the more you want to sin. And in the end, they'll stop seeking after God. There is no fruit of the Spirit in those people. Somebody who is influenced by the devil, a Christian who is influenced by the devil, there will be no love. There will be no joy or peace, no long-suffering, no gentleness, no goodness, no meekness, no patience, no temperance, and just ultimately, no faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, this will affect your family. If you are influenced by the devil, it will affect your family. It will affect your job. It will affect your life. It will affect every decision you make in life. There will be only one person in your mind that you will be glorifying at that point. And unfortunately, it's not Satan, it's you. Because there is no other honest alternative. There is no difference with a Christian that is influenced by evil spirits and an unsaved person. But now, I am sure that none of us have played with uh, demonic toys. None of us have Ouija boards, I'm sure. I, I hope I'm sure. 
I'm sure that none of us have tried drugs or mind-altering uh, drugs for any reason or have tried to seek after some kind of a high. But understand that the spiritual, bag, uh, spirit, the spiritual battle has begun ever since you entered into this world. And God has the cure for this world. It is Jesus Christ. And the cure is still Jesus Christ for those Christians who are influenced by the devil. Jesus Christ is the one that can save. And the promise of Christ is that once you are born again and start seeking after him more and more, that you will be more like him. And the not so great things that take place in your life, as much as the devil would try to convince you and make you quit in those situations, God has a promise for every Christian. And it's a powerful promise. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 8. This is the last passage. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 to 30. Romans 8, 28 to 30. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. And that's a promise. So, let the devil have the ham. But let every Christian have him. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word. Thank you.